the icons of real estate podcast. Are you ready to learn the proven money-making secrets from top producing icon agents? Ready to skyrocket your business? This podcast is for you. Tune in every week with your host, Tomasz Fonseca, and find out how to implement proven strategies to 10 times your business. From $3 million to $30 million in just 12 months. Brought to you by the Masters in Real Estate Marketing, Ardor SEO. Welcome to the Icons of Real Estate podcast. I'm Patty Teal, your host, and today we have an amazing icon with us, Luke Dubrow. Let me tell you a little bit about Luke. His educational and professional experience is in architecture, engineering, and construction. He has been involved with projects valued at over $750 million over the past eight years. He is part of the National Black MBA Association and African American Real Estate Professionals. His goal in real estate is to create generational wealth leave a legacy, and provide a better life for his family. Sounds like a pretty great goal to me. Welcome. Yeah, thanks for having me on, Patty. I appreciate it. Oh, it's great to have you. I can't wait to dive in and find out all about your company. Um, by the way, your company is called uh, Make It Rain, correct? Yes, yeah, that's correct. Yeah, I, Make It Rain. I just love that. Like the rainmaker, it sounds like make miracles happen. It just sounds fascinating. So um, before I ask you how you came up with the name, though, I wanted to get your story about how you started in real estate and how you got to the point you are now. Yeah, so I, you know, grew up in a family that was pretty entrepreneurial, even though both my parents worked normal W-2 jobs. My dad, he was an immigrant from Trinidad, and he came here in his in his early 20s. And he was always doing something right. He, it was very normal to start a business or to have two or three other things going on besides whatever your your day job was, so to speak, growing up. And so I ended up having that as a, as a pretty strong example growing up, Patty. And I ended up getting exposed to real estate because my parents, um, as they had their primary residence, and then they ended up purchasing another and, and keeping the original one, they ended up renting it out. And they did that twice. And so they had two single family rentals. And I kind of saw what was going on there. And I understood why they were doing that, especially once I was in middle school and, and high school. And after I finished my education, after I finished grad school, I ended up reading Rich Dad, Poor Dad. And that's kind of when everything came together. Like not only the, the entrepreneurial piece that I got exposed to when I was younger and throughout my life growing up, Patty, but then also um, the real estate piece too, because that's such like an instrumental thing within Rich Dad, Poor Dad. And there were all these things that I knew to be true deep down inside because I was exposed to it, but it was just put down so clearly and concisely in, in Rich Dad, Poor Dad by Robert Kiyosaki. And that ended up having a pretty, pretty large impact on me. And so at that point, I was 23 and I was working my, my day job, right? I was working as an engineer at the time. And I ended up looking at, okay, well, how can I, how can I get started? Right? Like I drank the Kool-Aid, I was all in, what, what can I end up doing? I looked at a bunch of different things, right? Whether it was owning actively myself, trying to buy a fourplex, working with my brother on it, buying out of state. I lived in California at the time. I lived in Southern California in LA. And so, um, you know, a lot of buying locally just didn't make sense. And it wasn't ultimately until I was exposed to passive investing and being a limited partner that I thought, okay, like this is the avenue forward. And that was mainly because I wasn't an expert 
and I was able to kind of outsource that to somebody else. I liked the returns. I w- it was a way to get started. It was in a market that I liked. It was in Central Texas, my first investment in San Antonio. And so all of these things kind of moved in the right direction. Ultimately, ended up doing two passive deals. And my now wife and I, back then we were, I don't know, we were dating or maybe engaged. I'm not quite sure. I don't remember the exact timeline, but we ended up looking at, okay, well, there's a certain life that we want to have in the future. How do we end up getting there? What do we end up doing? Um, And so we ended up looking at being on the active side and hence the podcast came about and then the company Make It Rain came about and hence us moving out to the markets that we're investing in and in Central Texas, we live in Austin now. And um, so all of that kind of all, you know, led up to, to being here and then being in the market actively, you know, pursuing deals and um, running the, running the company now. Well, that's a great story. Thank you for sharing it. And I've been dying to ask how you came up with the Make It Rain name for your business and your podcast. Yeah, so it was actually, um, we, you know, we ended up starting the podcast before we even started the company. We just started the podcast and it's because um, both of us had invested in passive deals and we, and our friends and family, they knew, right? And so they would end up asking us questions. And a lot of times they asked us the same questions over and over again. A lot of it was like, how did like how did you get started? How do you even find this deal? How do you understand the returns? Anything and everything. And so we ended up deciding, okay, well, let's just make a podcast and kind of see what happens. And um, the name ended up coming about because we just sent out a survey to a bunch of friends and family. We ended up deciding to target millennials because those are the people who were asking these questions. It was literally our like our own cohort, our own tribe and community, and. In sending out a survey, we had three names that we liked and Make It Rain was the one that floated to the top by far. And so we ended up just naming it that. And then we're like, okay, well, let's just name it that. Let's just do a couple episodes, see what happens. And, you know, two years later and 150 plus episodes later, we're still we're still doing it. Well, I just love the name. It sounds like you're making miracles happen, which I suppose you are. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And I love that you work with millennials too, and that you're a millennial. And I imagine your wife is a millennial. And do you find that they're generally um, buying their first home, buying their first investment property? Where are most millennials that you work with? Yeah, most of them um, will will not have ended up investing into any sort of large real estate transaction up to that point. And when I say large, I mean at least you know somewhere in the five figure sum that they're that they're investing whether it's 25,000, 50,000, 100,000, whatever the number might end up being. They haven't done that yet. Maybe half have purchased a home, but the ones that have purchased a home, the majority of them, I, I know here in Texas, they're, they're not in California. A lot of the ones that I, I know in California, they, they haven't yet, right? Because of affordability and things of that nature. But you know, real estate is something that they want to be able to be a part of and do in some form or fashion. But, you know, buying a, another house and trying to rent that out and all the work that goes along with it, like the active mm-hmm. management just isn't as attractive or the risk associated with it as well um, isn't as attractive. And so that's where, you know, the conversations a lot of times end up starting where they're looking to get a solid return, have it be risk adjusted. So it's low, relatively low risk compared to other investments and then, you know, not have it take up a ton of their time and, uh, and, you know, evenings, nights, weekends, whatever the case may be in, in managing it. 
That's very, very interesting. Yeah, I um, was thinking it might be a little hard on those who are looking for their first home the last couple of years, and maybe things will be a little easier now just because the cash buyers were swooping in and buying everything. And you always think of the younger generation maybe not having that money saved up yet, but I could be wrong. Did you find that to be a problem in your area? Um, on the residential side, it's, it, it has been for some people I've seen, and it's mostly because of the affordability. It's like a lot of people will have the, the cash that they need for a down payment. Right. Um, yeah. right? But it's really, mm -hmm. it's really the pricing being pushed up. It looks like, you know, I, I watched the resident, I watched the single family residential market, even though I mm -hmm. only invest in multifamily because a lot of single family residential informs what happens in multifamily, of course. And prices have uh, have sort of leveled off. I don't know if they're going to drop significantly, um, mm -hmm. but it seems like they've leveled off and they've stopped rising at the rate that they have been for you know the past year and a half ish. Mm -hmm. So, did I read, or am I correct that you started with single family and now you're strictly doing multifamily uh, deals? Oh, so actually, um, my parents, they only did single family, right? Okay. I ended up when I first started, I invested into two passive deals. One was 192 units. The other one was 253 units. And then on the active side, um, about a year ago, had an acquisition of 42 units here in Austin. And a couple months ago, uh, 176 units out in Tucson. Wow, sounds like you're going to town. That is really great. <laughs> yeah. Now, I know you have a background in architecture, engineering, and construction. And how does that help you when you go in to look at mm. properties to figure out if they're a good investment? Yeah, um, a lot of it is I understand the development piece and kind of what's happening in the construction industry, broadly speaking, especially the past year plus, right, with supply chain issues and things of that nature. Like, I understand construction um, pretty well. And so that, that ends up helping, like being able to just kind of look at a property or being able to talk to a contractor who's going to be doing work on a property, being able to, to speak the same language to them and know certain questions to ask that maybe somebody else wouldn't. The other piece too, is just having an engineering background. Um, I got a, my bachelor's and my master's are both in engineering. And so I'm the underwriter, chief underwriter, chief investments officer, whatever you want to call it for for make it rain. And um, that's, that's helped because the math and the concepts aren't nearly as, as complex as they are for the degrees that I had. And so it was just, it's just an engineering problem and trying to be able to solve it. If I'm looking for a certain return or being able to see like, well, which leverage can I push and pull in order to drive the returns in this model? And I can understand it pretty well. No, I would assume that that would be a huge help to you. My brother's an engineer and I know they have a different eye when they look at things, they know just what to look at. Yeah. find out if properties have problems or not. So that's great. So I know you work with your wife too. And uh, we talked about where you got married in a blueberry farm in uh, near um, Santa Barbara, which where I spent a lot of time. Yeah. How is it working together as a husband-wife team? It's overall, it's great. Um, it is, it's not without its challenges, of course. And a lot of it early on, there were challenges. You know, if Daisy were here sitting right next to me, she'd say, yeah, initially, She's like, I didn't want anything to do with real estate. I didn't want to work with Luke. I was thinking, I don't even know how we're going to be able to, to do this. And it's because, you know, I have a certain work style, right? And so I had to, I had to end up learning that it's okay. Like I need to take a step back and I don't need to control everything, right? I need to let her handle what she's handling. She'll let me handle what I'm handling. And then just kind of respect 
you know, what, what she's taking care of and what her core competencies are and what she's doing and, and vice versa. But overall, it's, it's extremely like enriching and gratifying, I would say, um, you know, we're building a life together yeah. and, um, and it's, you know, it's a, it's a, I feel like it's a privilege to be able to do that because it's not, it doesn't mesh well for every, for everybody, right? Like romantic right. relationships don't always transfer over to work relationships. And thankfully thus far, we've been able to, to figure it out mm-hmm. um, and kind of as best as possible, take ego out of it, if you will. Mm-hmm. And not, you know, if, if I'm providing feedback or if she's providing feedback to me, not get offended and kind of see yeah. that, okay, well, you know, she's telling me this because she wants the best thing for the company, right? She's looking at, well, where are we going? What's going to help us in the long term, right? Mm-hmm. And so that's, that's been beneficial as well. And just as a, le- a learning lesson along the way. Right. I'm sure you have different strengths. What oh, yeah. is your core strength? Would you say? Mine, I mean, mine is for sure being analytical and logical. That's uh-huh. that's kind of what I bring to everything. It's just the way my brain already works. And so, you know, that's, an engineer. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so, you know, I, I end up leading sales and marketing. So that's underwriting, that's speaking with brokers. Um, that's also everything that's related to marketing, podcasts, social media, things of that nature. And I'm, I'm very analytical. So I'll look at numbers and where are we going and are we getting the ROI that we want and, and things of that nature. And I'm much more introverted than Daisy is. I wouldn't say I'm um, scarily introverted, but Mm -hmm. I'm much more introverted than she is. Whereas for Daisy, she's very much a people person. The thing that matters to her the most is relationships, you know, and, and, you know, like math isn't her thing and, and like people aren't much my thing as it is for her. And so she's, she just connects with people, you know, like that's what, that's what she does. And so she ends up handling a lot of operations for us um, and then investor relations and a lot of things of that nature. Well, I'm sure you compliment each other then. That's great. Although to me, you really do seem like a people person. I just wanted <laughs> you to know that. <laughs> so what's the average price of the homes that you're selling in Austin. Oh, um, well, you know, for for us, we're not we're not selling any homes, but if we're looking like um, oh, that's like, right, you're more yeah. into the the multifamily. I'm sorry. Yeah, we're yeah. multifamily. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but if you're if we were looking at it on a on a per unit basis, mm-hmm. right? Um, the average home in the Austin MSA is somewhere in the mid to high 350s, if I'm not mistaken. Okay. It, might, it might be pushing 400 now. Mm-hmm. Um, and you know, the it's a it's a large metro area, so of course, the closer right. you are into the, the to the CBD, the higher it's going to be. But um, that's right around there for an average single family residence. But then okay. on the multifamily side, I say average unit price um, per door is 200 plus or minus. Maybe it dips closer to 150. Newer stuff is closer to the to the mid two hundreds, but um, that's sort of the range that that we've seen um, properties and and multifamily trade in. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And um, multifamily, are there a lot of different multifamily opportunities? And is this an especially good time for people to get involved in multifamily investing? I think there are. Yeah. I mean, we're recording this. I'm not sure when this will end up coming out, but we're recording this in in early August. And so, you know, uh, we're, 
it's become much more of a, it's shifted more to a buyer's market um, within mm-hmm. multifamily. A lot of that is because of rates, which of course translates over to the residential side. Right. Um, but then, you know, a lot of sponsors and operators who own property right now are especially looking to end up selling because they're looking at, well, rates are going to be higher six months from now. That's going to affect what people will offer. Buyers are, are willing to offer on their properties, on our properties, I should say. And so, with that, the sellers are looking at it like, well, we need to we need to end up moving now. There's been less activity, I would say, less offers being put on each property than there were before, Patty. But there's still a lot of activity, um, nonetheless, especially here within within Austin and San Antonio, the markets that we focus on. Mm-hmm. And where do you get your leads? So those, the vast majority, um, and when you say leads, are you are you thinking about the like the properties themselves? Well, actually, I'd love to hear both, both the properties themselves and also the people that are interested in investing in them. Yeah, so a lot of, so for the properties, the vast majority of those come from the brokers. Um, So there's the, you know, commercial real estate brokers um, Mm -hmm. who specialize in multifamily. They are the ones who are knocking on doors and contacting owners and soliciting them to be able to sell their property for them and to represent them. And so the vast majority of deals that we see come through the broker community. Um, There's always a handful that are quote unquote off market, meaning that mm-hmm. we're on a short list and we're and it's not being fully marketed to everybody, right? Um, and that's really about 10% of what we see, but mm-hmm. the majority does come to market. Um, and then secondarily to that, there's also from other sponsors, like sellers who we know, who we've built relationships with over the past several years. And they've approached us and said, hey, we're looking to sell this. Would you be interested? And then we just start a conversation from there. So it's kind of those two to three places, Patty, but on the investor side, a lot of it is from either my alumni network or Daisy's alumni network, uh-huh. um, because we both went to, went to graduate school. And so uh-huh. we know, you know, uh, plenty of people and higher income earners, right. Who right. are looking for alternative investments. We have the podcast. So that's a, that's literally a, a marketing tool that ends up helping us to to find investors and for investors to reach out to us and mm-hmm. and have conversations and then going on podcasts like this to be frank where we're just talking about what we're Getting doing and right. yeah we're just evangelizing the message mm-hmm. now do you have a system for staying in contact with people you said your contacts from college do you send out a newsletter do you contact them a certain number of times a year how do you do it we do. Yeah. So we, um, in order to just at the bare bones, stay in contact with people, we have a monthly newsletter that comes out the first Friday of each month where we'll go over things that we did in our own life. You know, a lot of times it's, it's recapping stuff that was posted on our Instagram that we have. And so, um, so we'll end up having that. And then we'll talk about, well, what certain market updates that are happening in Texas or throughout the entire country, real estate in the news and kind of what's going on there. We'll end up talking about um, the most popular podcast episode that we released that past wow. month. Mm-hmm. Um, and so we'll end up doing that. And then we also end up saying, hey, if you are interested in investing or just want to end up finding out more, then you can always like, schedule a call with us, reach out to us and just end up learning more. And at the very least, you know, know, know what different options are that are available. Yeah. And what are your goals for Make It Rain for the rest of this year? Yeah, the rest of this year is to get uh, one more deal um, under our belt here. And then a lot of it is behind the scenes work right now. So we're setting up a lot of systems around our acquisitions. 
and systems around our our operations in order to be able to to scale more in the mm-hmm. following year. Um, so those are the those are the two things that we're really focused on is is really one more acquisition and then um, just being able to improve our system so that way we're able to achieve our goals that we have for the fall for 2023. Oh, that's very cool. And what challenges are you facing? Yeah, so challenges. Um, we've seen that there's, uh, I mean, interest rates, right? That's probably like the right. biggest thing. Um, is it a recession? Is it not a recession? It depends on who you ask, right? Mm-hmm. Right, <laughs> um, right. So, uh, so you know, a lot of it has been around interest rates. I mean, the last week, the Fed just announced that they were going to raise interest rates 75 basis points. Again, they'll probably do the same thing in a couple more months. And so that just makes it more challenging to make deals work because sure. the because the debt is such a large piece of it, right? In order to be able to get the returns that we're looking for. So that affects our pricing. And um, we had, end up having to lower our pricing when we're offering, which sellers and buyers haven't quite met yet, right? Uh-huh. Sellers uh-huh. still have pretty high expectations and buyers are saying, well, no, I, oh. need, I need to drop the price because uh-huh. things have changed, you know? It's like, this has become more expensive. And so I need to end up dropping my, my offer that I'm, that I'm putting in. So that's, that's definitely a main challenge right now. And it just, you know, real estate is a, is a pretty slow moving industry in terms of transactions, right? Transactions take, especially on the commercial side, they take, especially on the commercial side, those are I some mean, big transactions. So yeah. in between you could wait a little while. Yes, exactly. Yeah. I mean, mm-hmm. yeah. I mean, on the residential side, things can move much quicker. Yes. It's just that there's so much, there's so many more moving parts, same mm-hmm. general idea, but more moving parts. And so it's, you know, one month, two months, three months, right? Mm-hmm. Typically when you have a deal under contract, if you have a deal that you've um, gotten under contract, it's typically like standard is 60 days mm-hmm. to offer that as a term to the seller in order to close. So what, what I'm trying to say with all that, Patty, is that as these deals transact and as they change hands over the next few months, I think the expectations will get aligned a little bit more as sellers. Sellers will need to adjust or they just won't be won't be selling. Like that's what I see happening. So things are maybe becoming a little more balanced. Exactly. Yeah. Things are a little out of balance right now. It was mm-hmm. a seller's market for so long and now it's kind of shifting. It's kind of in the middle, maybe mm-hmm. becoming a little bit of a buyer's market, maybe. Um, but that kind of remains to be seen. Yeah. So I wanted to talk a little bit. You mentioned the podcast and I imagine you're wonderful on it. Is Daisy on it as well? Or are you the host? How does it work? She is. Yeah, we co-host it. Uh, oh, how fun. Yeah. <laughs> mm-hmm. Bring both of your personalities into it. Do you have guests or is it just the two of you talking? What's the format? Yeah, so we have uh, two episodes that we release each week. And mm-hmm. the first episode is a guest that we have on. A lot of times it's it's uh, some sort of subject matter expert, whether they raise capital or they're a sponsor who ends up finding deals or property management, asset management. Um, we've had people who are on the debt side and, and do mortgages. We've had people who are on the insurance side. We've had accountants, real estate attorneys, um, you know, a wide range of, of guests on. So we'll have that every single week. And then the second episode that we release each week is we actually call it Coffee Talk. We're very big coffee fans. Oh, um, nice. I think they, I read that about you, that you <laughs> love special brewed coffees. Yeah, yeah. And mm-hmm. so we'll end up talking about a little bit. It's like, you know, a five, six, seven mm-hmm. minute episode where we just talk right. about a little bit about coffee, 
um, and then we'll end up talking about a, a certain topic where it's where we're focused on really trying to educate our audience. Um, and so really the podcast exists and why we feel like Make It Rain exists is to provide more access and education, particularly for millennials to invest. Mm -hmm. And so that's mm -hmm. why there's so much education that we work to provide. Um, so that way people know, number one, that that are available. And then number two, how to end up approaching them and, and having more info about it as well, if they are looking to do it. So um, that's, that's what we end up doing with the podcast. Oh, it sounds so fun. And I like that you have this niche of millennials. Do you market to them in a different way? Or is it just because you yourself are a millennial and you have those contacts? It's, you know, it's, it's a mix, right? I think us being, you know, something that Daisy and I have focused on is kind of being authentic to ourselves. Mm -hmm. um, a lot of other companies, right? They'll have names uh, for their, uh, for their acquisitions, co uh, companies that are a little more um, traditional, right? right? And ours definitely is not a traditional name, no, but it's a fun name. <laughs> yes. I like it. Yeah. But, you know, it's like, it's, it's, it's genuine and, and it's true to ourselves. And so I think just the way that we communicate and the way that we approach things and the things that we think about as opposed to somebody who's 10 years younger or 10 years older than us is genuine. And so that ends up speaking to our audience, right? And so mm -hmm. that that's part of it. But then we do actively work to go places where millennials are, right? I mean, mm -hmm. that's why we're on Instagram so heavily um, right. because that's where so many, so many millennials are right now. And so mm -hmm. we end up doing things like that in order to not only speak to them the way that we want to be spoken to, um, and we feel like they want to be spoken to, but then also go to the places where, where they're going to be as well. Mm -hmm. Oh, good answer. That's really interesting. So, um, before we go, I want to remind people that they can go to your podcast. One is coffee. Is it called coffee time or is it just a subtitle of the podcast? It's making it rain. I make it rain is the main name. That's correct. Yeah. So yeah. it's just, it's just a subtitle. So yeah, okay. it's, it's make it rain. Um, make it rain on all po podcast platforms. You'll, okay. you'll be able to find it pretty easily. Okay, great. And how would they contact you directly? Um, the best way is through our website, actually. So it's make it rain they can also email me directly. It's Luke, L-U-C, at makeitraincapital.com. Um, my calendar is on the website too. So you can also schedule with me. So those are the those are the main ways to end up getting in contact. Well, gosh, Luke, thank you so much for being on uh, our podcast today. You were wonderful. Really enjoyed it. And I love the way you're targeting millennials. Very, very fascinating. Yeah, thanks so much, Patty. I appreciate the time and, and having me on. Thank you. Take care now. All right.